what is going on everybody this is josh said what this is the podcast that will change the world we got another episode in today but before i jump into that i also have to give a shout out to my sponsor for this episode against all enemies this is sponsored by against all enemies a gun shop based in the cavs city arizona that is owned and operated by veteran and mixed martial artist patrick boffman now, being a strong supporter of our Constitution and Second Amendment right, Against All Enemies has got it all for you. They have rifles, they have shotguns, revolvers, semi-auto pistols, and all the accessories, parts, and tools needed to enhance your arsenal and defend yourself against all enemies. Both you can shop, you can shop in person or online at aeamerica.com. Again, that's aeamerica.com. Patrick Boffman will also be fighting December 10th for Rough Nation at the Celebrity Theater in Phoenix, Arizona. He'll compete on Rough 51 against Brooks Callahan for the light heavyweight championship title. You heard that, people, for the light heavyweight championship title. So check it out. You can buy tickets and pay-per-view at roughnation.com slash Patrick Boffman for as low as $45 plus taxes and fees. Again, that's at roughnation.com slash Patrick Boffman. Links will be in the description below. And now, ladies and gentlemen... It's time. It is so time to bring on a very special guest. He's a good friend of mine. We've been doing a show for a minute now. We've been kicking ass. We've been taking names, crossing the T's, dotting our I's. We've been doing all of it. I'm going to bring him on now. I got my boy, James. How you doing, man? Oh, man. Always good. Always good. Happy to be here. And Josh said, what? What's going on, man? Yeah, nothing much, man. I'm glad to finally have you on. I've been wanting to get you on for a while now. Hey, man, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. Wednesday show. Usually we're together on Tuesdays, so a Wednesday show is great. Yeah, exactly. And see, now now the roles have switched. It's switched, so now you get to feel it from my shoes. You're going to be the co-host for this one. I'll be the lead. It's okay. We'll get through it, (laughs) (laughs) boo-boo. Hey, we we, we tag team off the roof. It's it's all good. You know, we switch it up. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, just to dive right in. I'm adaptive. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And to go ahead and dive right into it. So for people who aren't aware, me and James, we uh, co-host a show called Throwing Hands through ASAP Sports Network. And not only that, but ASAP Sports Network was founded by James here himself. So why don't you give us background? So um, ASAP was actually not originally started. It it was actually um, a... It was a couple of shows. It was like two shows they did. They called it, and then it was ASAP Sports. Um, okay. And um, they actually recruited me into it. Um, so along the way, things kind of broke down. It got depleted to almost nothing. And I was like, well, man, I've been doing this for almost a year now. I really enjoy it. I'm about to take this and run with it. So mm-hmm. I you know, went ahead, did everything necessary to make it a legit business at that time. Um, got with uh, two of the guys that were kind of still hanging around um, at the time, Freddie uh, and uh, Ray. Um, and we just got going. Um, and one of the biggest things that I said and I wanted to do was I was like, man, I don't want to just be on Facebook and just broadcast on Facebook and just hope that I grab some fans and things. I want to try to do something different and push mm-hmm. it as far as we can. So. Um, you know, getting sports credentials, getting us on television, um, getting a you know guys that come on board 
inside arenas to really provide real life sports coverage um, of the different things that they love and enjoy um, writing about and, you know, guys that are heading towards this type of career. Mm -hmm. So um, actually we started it September 24th, 20, yeah, like 24th last year. Um, okay. Whereas like it became official. That's when it became an official business. Oh, okay. We got our LLC and that's when things got real. So to speak, <laughs> um, I think I got my first set of credentials, like that second week of October. And then it just was like, man, all right, this is, this is legit. Like we can really, we're here. What are we going to do with it? So, right. you know, and the rest is kind of history. Now we're here. Now um, we don't, we no longer have Freddie with us. Um, you know, no, no sour milk. It is what it is. Now we have, mm -hmm. uh, it's just kind of me and Ray were the, the originals. And we got a whole plethora of different, you know, wonderful, charismatic individuals that uh, run the roster now. Nice. Nice. And so tell me your thought process when you were going through those motions at the beginning. What was the surrealism like or your, what was going through your head when you first finally made it official as LLC and then you first got your credentials? So I was excited for like a day. Um, when I when I started the LLC, I was excited for like a day and then I was like, okay, so that's cool. Got the LLC. It's official. Um, and then it was like, okay, now what do we do from here? Because we were still, just because we got the LLC, we were still, we at the time we were doing a little bit of Facebook broadcasting and then face, and then, and then YouTube. That was pretty much mm -hmm. it. So, of course, we started out our, all the other social medias. Um, but now it was kind of like, okay, I know what I want, but how do I go about it? What do I do to get What's the first move? What do I need to do? Um, and it was kind of dis disheartening. I mean, it was cool to get our first credentials. Um, mm -hmm. Our first credential was the was NASCAR. Um, you was, said it was NASCAR or wasn't? I think it was NASCAR. Oh, okay. Um, but I got a lot of no's, man. A lot of no's. A lot of no answered emails and. And just just so many, and it was a lot of work in the beginning, because uh, at that point you don't have anything, so everything is any anything is everything at that moment. Um, so right. you're hitting up everything, and you're like a chicken with your head cut off because you don't know what the hell you're doing. And I'll tell you, like for the first two months, month and a half, I did not know what the hell. I was doing <laughs> just doing random shit hoping it stuck you know yeah. what i mean that, that old saying um but i i started meeting people um and if anyone knows me they'll tell you like uh i'm a social butterfly so to speak you know i i i, I build relationships i, I enjoy 
learning about people and what makes them mm. passionate about the things that they're passionate about. I don't know, I don't know why. Right? What makes me a good interviewer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but um, I just started meeting people, man, and. You know, like me and you talk about every Tuesday how enjoyable the the MMA community is, especially roughs in general. Mm-hmm. Um, how family orientated and just so down to earth and open they are to teach each other. And even though they're about to go to war, you know, they're they're teaching each other on a day to day basis. A lot of these guys. Um, I've ran into a lot of guys like that in this industry, you know, yeah. guys like Tyler Butler, Fago, um, you know, there's, there's many more uh, that helped me along the way with little tips here and there and little nudges um, that got me over the hump a lot of times or they helped me find the, the river of water, you know, <laughs> to get to where I was going. Yeah. So that that really helped along the way because man, that the first couple of months, the first couple of weeks, I'll say for sure, but probably the first two months for sure, it was rough. I wasn't getting nowhere. Yeah. Hard, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that hundred percent, and that's uh, so. An episode that I do have coming out soon is with Matt Locks. He's the house photographer, Celebrity Theater. Um, for a little spoiler, one of the things we uh, that we talked about was the importance of networking, building connections and building relationships to further your own growth and everything in that nature. Like as you're explaining that, what I'm thinking of when you reference the river is that when you're starting out in those first two months, you're almost just like wandering the desert trying to find the river and you're making all these stops along the way but as you make these connections and these new relationships they're like little guides little guides that help point you to the river until you could find your way and then you could truly establish and start to get that momentum going and start climbing more and more no no you're 100 right and i'm always one of those people that you know want to make sure that the relationships we build are equal uh, mm-hmm. and majority on my side you know you know how what am i given to this relationship as well um i don't always i never wanted to be one-sided so you know i'm like damn motherfucker just opened up a whole fucking gate he just knocked down a brick wall for me like you know so that also that side of it with me even just made it more of a two-way street it made it easier it made me want to want to learn more so i was able to answer questions when they had <laughs> Um, exactly you know and so around and this is the craziest thing man like what was it 2019 towards the end of 2019 towards the beginning of 2020 i started podcasting that was when i really started first podcasting um and i wasn't talking sports i was talking just worldly shit and um I think like in March, I got approached by Freddie and he was doing ASAP at the time. Um, I'm like, yeah, I've been thinking about it. You know, I'd rather talk sports. Um, world mm-hmm. shit is stressful. <laughs> it's stressful as hell. 
There's so much going on in the world at the time, too. So I'm like, yeah, you know, there's probably a little bit more up my, my, my line anyways. So, you know, I switched over. But going through that first few months and then all of a sudden September on this business, we're trying to figure shit out. So, like, towards the end of October, I met this guy named Joe. Joe is the shit. <laughs> Joe is the shit, man. We He's clicked man. in the beginning. Yeah, no, seriously. Joe is the shit, bro. Um, I think Freddie or Ray, one of them stumbled across him first. And, um, you know, he hit us up. He's like, I like what you guys are doing. Let's talk. Let's see what we can do together. And um, that's that's how we started getting on television. Um, he does a lot of the development in the background. He does a lot of, you know, our OTT uh, platform building and all that good stuff. And um, me and me and Joe talk every day. We talk four or five times a day. A lot of times at the beginning because there was so much shit to do and be in meetings at two o'clock in the morning because the guys are in Israel or something, you know what I mean? And we did a lot of work together. So we still talk on, we still not the last like month or two, we've been really busy on both of us. So we haven't talked mm -hmm. as much as we, we do, but we talk on a day-to-day -day basis and uh, sometimes two, three times a day, you know? So those type of relationships, I started getting and grabbing early and, mm -hmm. um, you know, they became friends. So it was easy. Um, and after that, you now, man, we just balance ideas and we have a little have a little collective group I can go to. Like, yo, I saw you at this 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 uh, Kings game the other day. Who you know over there? You know what I mean? Like, you know, things like that. It would grow that way. Nice. Nice. So with throwing hands where where did throwing hands start to fit in all this and when did you start incorporating so i'm a sports guy through it um you know i grew up basketball football baseball mm -hmm. soccer i'm playing and then you know once ufc really hit i was sold like UFC, but I was already watching like stuff on YouTube when you could, or you know, on the internet, little, you know, uh, pay per views here and there at the time. Because back then we didn't have the internet like that. Then the internet came, and you could only find little clips and things here and yeah. there. So I was already trying to watch that stuff. But once it became on TV, look at that. <laughs> that was like I was like, oh, this this is amazing. So I I always had a. A particular love for just the MMA world and just a totally different interest in it um, than, you know, basketball or football or baseball is just different. You know, right. The training that goes into it, the, the total life commitment, you know, basketball, football, it's like a year. Yeah. You know, it is a year round commitment, but you do get off time. You do get this, you do get that. It's just different. Right. Just different. So I was always intrigued by that. Um, so when we came, we got this going. Um, one of my biggest things was recruit 
combat sports. Mm-hmm. People just talk combat sports and had a few guys here and there and had a couple of shows here and there and it fell off. Kept falling off, kept falling off. I would I would sub in and then it would fall off. I would sub in, it would fall off. So I just said, fuck it. I'm just gonna do it myself. Yeah, exactly. I got a couple co hosts. Fell off, fell off, fell off. And then boy Josh. And and you know, and that was funny too, even the way that happened, you know, we didn't really I think we talked about it briefly, like once. And it just happened kinda. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kinda I let me really yeah, I remember you hit me up on Messenger, and you were all like, "Hey, man!" Like, I remember seeing you at the at the event and talking to you and everything. And I feel like I feel like we got opportunity here. We should work together, and it just kind of like clicked right from there. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I did that. You know, uh, fast forward now. You know, been through your your uh, weight weight cut journey. You know, we've been to I think three roughs together now um, yeah yeah about, about three or four yeah about to, at least to hit our fourth in this next one if it's not already um you know it's been, it's been great and that and that, that's the type of thing is i i mean like i just bumped into you it was nothing we had no crazy meat or nothing mm-hmm. it's just something i just say like, hey this dude's really cool and then we ended up like this and yeah. That's how a lot of the connections I've had in this industry have been, man. And I can go on and on with people that are just they're just open and and kind of like rivalry or hate that I see in this industry. It's been, it's been great. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing that I love about the fact that in this all this stuff going on now, especially in the MMA world, just all the different people that you meet. Because that's that's the thing that set that sets the sport aside for me versus any other sport is also the types of people that you meet because they come from all different backgrounds, all different styles and walks of life. Like you got some fighters that they do real estate on the side. You got other fighters that have other types of businesses. You can just go on and on and on. You know, there's some fighters who've graduated Harvard, some fighters who never went to college at all. So it's just. The, all the different types of people that you meet, even just like on a quick, like, hey, what's up? And how it just grows from there. It's just, it's awesome, hands down. And like, yeah, you were saying from the middle, like beginning of this year to fast forwarding now, how things have just grown and then how we connected. And then now I co-host with you on Throwing Hands and that's just been taken off. Like, dude, we've had, we had Steven from Hankic Audio on. We had the partner CJ Pittman from Rough Nation on. We've had countless fighters. We all kinds of people. And it's been just a fucking blast, dude. Blast. And I wouldn't even be able to be on this stream yard doing a live stream if it wasn't for the connection that we had made. Right. I mean, dude, that's the dopest part. And having um so we we do have UFC credentials. We do have Bellator credentials in for the longest time, that's what we talked about. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I talked about on a regular basis. Even when me and you first linked up, we spent a lot of our time on UFC and Bellator and what was going on and dissecting those matchups and talking about those fighters. And I tell you that I love the pivot we made 
and switch into more of a local scene because it gives us more, we're more in tune to not only what's going on, we're more in tune to the person we're talking to. Mm -hmm. um, talking to them backstage, seeing them, you know, in, in and around the arena during, before, after, and conversing with them and seeing how they're actually reacting to a win or a loss and how they're mm -hmm. handling it. Um, talking to the guys that, you know, the weight cuts and, you know, I don't know how many times that you've talked to these guys and they're like, dude, last night was a bitch. I just want them to let me get the fuck on the scale so I can get some water. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just something goes back to, like I said, it is just this particular sport. Just, there's just some type of other intrigueness that was there that you can't get with anything. And um, mm -hmm. I think that our connection helped us pivot towards focusing on rough and more of the local scene and the local guys and giving them a voice um, or trying to provide a voice for them. You know, and um, it's been more enjoyable, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And like a big thought process that I kind of look at, too, with just how we become more focused and orientated with the local scene and with the amateurs coming up is. At the, we could focus on all these on this generation of fighters that's already in the UFC and Bellator to where they're already probably at the at the later end of their career. and We're going to see them go out. But on a local level like this with amateur fighters, we've been getting to meet and talk to and interact with. This is the next generation. So we have years ahead of us to watch some of these fighters that end up going from Bellator to UFC to 1FC to any other promotion that pops up. We have that opportunity now and the connection now to watch this next generation rise up. And who knows how the story is going to take us? Because like we had Mark Coates on before. He fought in rough. That. Yeah, exactly. We He fought in rough. And then, boom, we got him in Bellator. And then we had him on. And it's just the story that it tells, too, with all these fighters. It's, it's something else, man. Yeah, no. And, and you're right. Like, even with the Mark thing, uh, you know, there was a light situation going on during that whole thing with him in, in, in uh O'Malley. Yeah. Um, but they had their own little personal thing going on with, with their, one of their previous fights, and Mark still thinks he won, and, you know, there's a lot of that. So being able to even see that play out, you know, and, you know, us talking back in July, or what was that, June, mm -hmm. and saying, you know, Sean wins this fight, there's no way that they can't give him a top 15. If Sean wins this fight, who's next? They got to show him out. They got to be able to tag mm -hmm. him. And then, oh, Peter Young. Now we're talking about this. But, again, the reason why we bring up Sean a couple of times, even though he's a UFC guy, is we've seen Sean at rough. We've seen, we've talked to Mark, and we've had that little bit of, so it just makes it just a little bit more, relevant to the situation relevant to us and what's going on and exactly scene and driving that and you know you're you're 100 right though this is the next generation and we are kind of sitting right in the farm system of 
the next generation of fighters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because who knows? Maybe some of the fighters that we come across end up being the next Kamar Usman or the next Adesanya, next Perea, all of that. And that's the cool thing, too, about getting to know these fighters early on in their careers. And that's why, too, I'm I'm really glad I went through that weight cut. Because, like, for the, for the audience, for Josh said what, I did a weight cut where I went from, I think I was, like, I started out, like, 176 pounds. And over, like, a three-month period, I just did a gradual decline until, like, the last couple weeks. And I grinded it out and got down to 155, or, like, 155.6. And what I especially motivated me for that was the fact that we're in this industry now and we get to make these relationships with these fighters. And, you know, me also working with MMA Stalker and getting to interview these guys and getting to talk to them. Now I know firsthand experience of like the stuff they go through in the weight cut. It's it makes me more understanding, more kind of having a bit of firsthand experience and knowledge uh, behind like the mentality of trying to get through it of just the work ethic that it takes to do it and the discipline and just to have that interpersonal relationship with these fighters and that level of respect it it only blossoms and take things even further man yeah no having that insight you know i mean you listen to a guy like dc um you listen to a guy like michael bisbeing uh you know you listen to those two especially um, and you just hear a totally different layer of coverage mm-hmm. uh, on the fight, what's going on, the mental aspect, what the fighter might be thinking in a certain position that, you know, a normal fan will understand. And yeah, that's the dope part about this, this sport is there's so many layers, you know, there's so many layers to it that what you see may not be what is going on. Yeah. You, you know what I mean by that? Yeah. yeah, because it's such when, like, when you're seeing somebody that's in the clinch and you're trying to, like, as a fan, it's hard to understand all the intricate aspects of being in the clinch and all the different threats that it imposes. And sometimes when it looks like one guy is at the advantage in that situation, it's actually the complete reverse. And when you it's have a guys like DC, situation or something. <laughs> exactly. And when you have guys like Michael Bisping and DC having that firsthand experience being fighters, that that's what makes it even more sweeter, more detailed. And it makes the experience more wholesome because you're getting that genuine quality commentating. Right. Like, um, you know, perfect example is being being on the ground and you're seeing a guy maybe sitting on top of the other guy, but his legs are kind of off underneath them somewhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, why isn't he was just punching him in the face? His face is wide open. And he's so focused on the leg area. He might be getting his leg about to get broken off in some type of knee bar. He has, mm-hmm. you know, prime position for ankle lock. And, you know, people like, Biz being or DC will walk you through that in a different way, in a different light than another commentator would um, because he's been in a lot of those situations before. So mm-hmm. it's just really nice to be able to have that type of thing and you going through the weight cut. And so many times, I mean, the last three 
um, uh, weigh-ins that we've been through, uh, we were able to see, or not, I shouldn't say able to see, but we witnessed a few guys miss weight. Mm-hmm. And as a novice in the industry or a fan, you say, how do you miss weight? I mean, this is your job. Like, how do you miss weight? And you don't get it. Yeah. You missed it by two pounds? Oh, my God. He, he might have been about to die. You know, he may have felt like he was about to pass out. Um, yeah. Straight up, that's how I fell in those last couple of days. Because when that last week was, I'd say, hands down, hell week, having to drink, what, or seven and a half gallons of water in three days, I peaked at 176 pounds on Tuesday, and then by Thursday night, dropped all the way down to 155.6. That's not something that your body is necessarily supposed to go through because you have to go through a dehydration process. And by the end of that, dude, I was I felt so absolutely drained. I could tell that I was dehydrated. If I sat there long enough, easily would have passed out easily. And it's the the mental. What's the right word I'm looking for? Just, just the mental exhaustion it puts on you. That's what especially sets the difference like in that situation where, oh, he's off by two pounds. How could he miss that? It's like, here's, there's a lot more to it than you think. 100%. And, the, and that's another aspect of it, like how much of a mental game fighting is, man. I mean, look at Izzy. Look at Izzy's situation. Yeah. He's been dominating. Dominating. Not one guy has stepped in there. Where I was like, hmm. Izzy? He get back in there with you. Not one guy. Not one single <laughs> guy have I been like, man, if he if he makes his way back into the ring with you, that's gonna be scary. Um but there was something about Alex. There was yeah. something about Alex. Where they were like from the beginning, like, hey, look at and and that's another thing, dude. You know, we're talking about four fights. That's his fourth fight, right? In UFC. Fourth, fourth, uh, fourth. no, this is this is only his third fight. His third fight? Yeah. Three fights in. So they already knew. And then you get pushed to the top. The mental part of that. And all the questions from the media were, you know, how do you feel about this? He's beat you twice. You know, does this put anything in your head? And if it didn't put anything into your head before, um, before, after media week, that shit's in your head. Yeah, because that's part of the whole promotion of it. All the media, all the memes, they push that. It's all mental that you got to deal with that. And you're only human. Yeah. Pound something too much, it's gonna be stuck there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the that's the that's the really underrated aspect that like casuals don't fully grasp of this sport is just the mental aspect because you're having to go through like it's it's straight up. You'd be training for three up to six months for a fight, that entire camp where you're literally spending probably four to eight hours a day on top of your job or anything else, but training your ass off to where you're exhausted, to where you're throwing up 
and you're just sweating bullets. And throughout that entire process, there's still no guarantee that you're going to get the victory because that's what you're training for. And then you also have to deal with the media and all the extra stuff that comes along the way, any type of distractions. Like when when I was doing the weight cut, I, I, I fell behind on my podcast because it's how much of my time was taken up for it, just trying to shed off the, like even just a couple pounds. Only 24 hours in a day, no matter what you want to add to it. Exactly. And it'd take me at least I'd work out for at least three to four hours a day and just constantly go and the exhaustion too, on top of everything. So these fighters, they do, they go through so much. Yeah. No, man. I mean, think about the guys that train, like you said, three to six months and three weeks before, two weeks before the fight, they sprain their ankle. They pull their shoulder out of out of, out of place and in, in uh, rolling, mm-hmm. uh, you know what I mean? Like strained knee. Then they got to reschedule the fight for three months later. Now they got to they just weight cut because it was two weeks out, so they were already in the, in the process of the weight cut mm-hmm. and training. Then they blow back up a little bit, gain a couple pounds because they can't train for a few weeks. Now they got to crunch everything into four weeks to get back to what they were supposed to be at before the injury. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much yeah. stuff that goes along to it, and I just love it. Um, and then, you know, I mean, that's the other part is, you know, like, our lineup we've had so far, that it's, it's been so much love from them. You know, it's, you know, Abdul. CJ, Patrick, Brian Benavidez, Andres Ponce, um, Austin Worms. Uh, um, I mean, we've had so many guys on um, already. It's, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, uh, hands down, it's been an absolute blast. And that's what especially excites me for 2023. Because you already got in the episode that we did with CJ, he announced, got 12 events lined up for next year. That's an event every month of 2023. So you know that us, personally, we're both going to be busier than hell. Because you know that we're going to be on top of all that to be a part of the experience, to connect to meet all these upcoming fighters of the new generation and go from there. Shit, that sounds like a whole lot of fucking guests. <laughs> yeah. A show a week? I mean, show a month? Talking about mm. 10 fights a month? 20 people a month? Oh, yeah. yeah. Josh, we're going to be busy as hell. That's okay. Hey, I'd rather be busy than dead. <laughs> hey, no, 1,000% about that. You got that. <laughs> you got me there. Sleeping your dead. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But then that's the that's the thing too I like about the hustle now is that everybody in the in this network that we've met so far this year, it's it's all about growth. Everybody's here. It's like how can we network? How can we improve and how can we just help each other blow up from there? And it's that constant push that's been such a big motivator. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, you know, that was one of the other Things that I wanted to provide with, with what I was built with what we're building here mm-hmm. um, is a place for you know the the second the second tier leagues the other guys 
um, to get on television, to get their stuff out and, you know, not have to break their arms and legs off and hand it to the guys in order to get on television, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we have a deal in place. Uh, it looks like the AL uh, will be having a, a league or a season this upcoming spring. They'll be on our network. Um, we just uh, inked the MLIS, which is the Major League uh, Indoor Soccer Association. They'll nice. be on our network. Uh, I think they start at the end of this month um, or beginning in beginning yes. December, December, we'll say. But they'll be airing live all their games on our network. <clears throat> uh, you know, we're talking to a couple other leagues, a couple other sporting uh, promotions. Um, so... The ultimate goal is to eventually have live sports, have, you know, our shows, things like that, um, and provide the best coverage we can. Um, yeah. Provide an alternative way for guys like ourselves to get into the, get into the business, get into the industry. Yeah. Exactly. One of these weeks, uh, weekends, we're going to have to do like a, a live stream of watching the event because that'd be absolutely priceless. I guarantee if there's a big old what the fuck moment with a nasty ass knockout, you're going to see me just flipping a lid live. Guarantee that people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. There'll be some beer flying or something because, you know, we've seen some, especially this last one, man. Rough 50 had some ultimates. They had some Dude. ultimates. Dude, the the Louis Abouchard versus Chris Fluke fight. I was that I was I was scared for that dude, but I was also like, what the fuck? Because that knockout was so beautifully nasty. Like they almost took that dude out on the stretcher because they were so worried and he was out for that long. And oh. It was just wild. And then with Patrick, too, when he took out Chris uh, Chris Tabo, dude, the way he flipped the, him over like a table, and then you just hear those shots landing, like the crowd could hear those cracks. Yeah, no. That first fight, though, um, if Chris wouldn't have, wouldn't have fell out the way he did, I would have done a backflip where I was standing. Because he, yeah. he got hit so hard on that first one that stood him up on a cage. And then on the way down, he got caught with some vicious ones, too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as much as I love everybody, you know, all the fighters, he, he, you're there to see something. Yeah. And, and, and they know that. You know, that's what they, they go in there to provide and hope they're not on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes you end up that way. And, 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 and that's the humbling part about, Dealing with the backstage and dealing with these guys is, hey, we'll get them next time. Going back to the lab. Yeah. Chin up. You know, it takes a different type of individual. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, sep- that's what gives me a greater appreciation for the fact that now I get to be a part of the whole back scene of it. Because, you know, as a casual fan, when you're watching them on the TV, when your guy wins 
that's all that matters. You're cheering, you're hooing, you're hawing, and you're I guarantee you're dogging on the other person that got taken down, knocked down, right. smitted, or whatever. But when you're like in our position now, we're the losing side you see them behind the scenes and you see the emotion you see how bad they wanted it but just came up short and it gives you that sense of empathy for the fighters on both sides and makes you appreciate it so much more and then vice versa um you see guys like um one guy that i've seen that you know to me has has been flourishing and he deserves every second of it and i've probably said this a few times is Abdul Kamara. Ever since I met yeah. this dude and, and watched his journey and what he's what he you know represents and presents himself as, he's a stand-up dude, man, and he kills it. He kills it. He's serious. He's sold in. And me and you talk about that all the time. Is you got to be fully committed and bought mm-hmm. in, or you're gonna get your ass whooped in this in this sport. You know, you can't just go in there off of raw talent. You're not training. You're gonna get fucked up. Yeah, exactly. And like with Abdul, then you know he was explaining to us that he works overnight. So he he works overnight, and then when his kids are in school, that's when he's training. So that amount of work put in, that's the that's the difference too between people who aren't committed. That's just running out, trying to run off that talent alone versus someone like Abdul who is genuinely committed doesn't matter if he didn't have any raw talent or not the work and the discipline and that dedication that's what's going to breed a champion versus someone who's just trying to go off raw talent alone especially in the sport right it just you know that that dedication alone and you know like he said be ready I'm, i'm always ready i'm always training like i'm about to fight because you never know when that opportunity comes and look at like we were Talking to him in his interview, he had just came off the, the Jorge Mazdaval uh, promotion and uh, got a big opportunity there, capitalized on the opportunity. And there was, uh, you know, uh, talks of him having a title fight in that promotion. So mm-hmm. that's that's what this industry is about. Um, that's what this sport is about, you know, being ready, uh, capitalizing on opportunities, uh, you know, training, being dedicated. Being committed, and, you know, good to see that. Yeah, and I also like you know to to also talk to these guys about the other side of them, um, you know, who they are outside of it. Yeah, you know, what it what brought them into this man. This is a brutal sport at the end of the day. You know, it's definitely a brutal sport. Yeah, it's not it's not necessarily kid friendly. You could say. I mean, the, the fighters themselves, they'll even bring their kids to it and everything. But it's, yeah, it's at the same time, it's a brutal sport. It's modern day gladiators. That's that's just it. It is what it is. And by showing, by humanizing them more, by getting to know more of just who they are, that's what kind of helps break down that stereotype of it being a blood sport is getting to understand these people, their backgrounds what got them into it, what's motivating them, and it's just like what they have to support and who they're getting support by. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's definitely something I'm going to be doing here a lot more this this upcoming year is bringing my kids out to the events, um, you know, uh, especially my son. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, he trains right now. He does a little boxing. And nice. 
Visually, you know, his little BJJ when he can. Um, you know, I, but I definitely want to make sure that uh, get them into it. My my daughter likes it. She likes karate. She likes she enjoys boxing as well. So, and nowadays women are out here. Yeah, are out here. Yeah, you seen dude. you seen a lot of dope women on rough course. Yeah. Dude, sometimes they kick more ass than the dudes. Like the uh, straight up, the guys are like putting in the shit. Like shameful, shame on you guys. <laughs> hey man, there's a couple of women. Um, I forget her name. Hold on. Zarina. 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 Dude, she's a fucking animal, bro. When she fought that, I'm having a brain fart in the name, Lauren Lauren Wolf. When she fought Lauren <laughs> Wolf, dude. Zarina's a badass. Yeah. Dude, the way that she was caught bad. She's badass. <laughs> hands down. The way she was, like, in that first round, it was, Lauren was, I want to say dominating, but she had more control, and she kept on almost, like, sinking in a rear naked choke. And then Zarina in the second round completely flipped it and then ends up catching Lauren in the rear naked choke. Like, yeah. God damn. Like, especially the Arizona women fighters. They are fucking vicious, dude. They are a badass. I will say I 1,000% agree with you. The women out here that we have coming out are fucking vicious. Um, I think Lauren Wolf was from, like, Minnesota or something, too. Um, yeah, like Minnesota or Montana. Yeah, something like that. Well, I'll say this because you're right. In the first, in the in the first round, the beginning of that round, Zarina came out throwing hands. No point mm-hmm. intended. Every Tuesday, uh, eight p.m. Pacific. Uh, but she came out throwing hands uh, in that first round, and in the beginning of that round, and uh, Wolf was like, "No, nah, we ain't doing this." And she remember she scrambled, ended up taking her to mm-hmm. the ground, and I think it caught. Zarina off guard, and she was kind of able to, you know, hold that ground control the rest of that round. Mm-hmm. Starting in that second, though, Zarina was like, nah, look, you want to go to the ground, we can, but I'm going to be on top of your ass, and I'm going to work it. So, yeah, no, Zarina was fast. That second round was completely, like you said, 360. Yeah. Yeah, that was insane. That's why I give props to all these athletes because you could be like you could be down and out for the majority of the fight, but as soon as you get that opportunity to flip the script, boy, is it beautiful. You just ran me through Izzy's fight this weekend. <laughs> I know I had that pop in my head. Okay, <laughs> poor Izzy. He's dominating pretty much the entire fight, and then boom, the fifth round. The, the rug got pulled from under. The war was he, made the tragedy. He thought he got all the cobwebs out. And then he didn't get the last one in the corner. And that little spider crept out and bit his ass. <laughs> <laughs> they bit his ass hard. That was a Black Widow up there. Now he's got to run to the ambulance. His toes swole up. You know, a lot of times... There's always lessons in life. Mm-hmm. Every everything we do, everything you see, everything you watch, everything you compete in, there's always a lesson. But there's so many lessons to be learned watching a fight. 
Like, yep. There's so many lessons to be learned watching a fight. Any given day, it, it could be just not your day. Yeah. Because again, the mental aspect, if you're already defeated before you even step into the ring, then that's all she wrote. Mm-hmm. And me and you talked about it. It was like that fifth round. He was like, mentally, he was waiting for it. Mm-hmm. He was like, all right, here it comes. I'm going to get hit. Where's it coming from? Where, where am I going to get hit at? Where am I going to get hit at? Let me stay back. Okay, where's it coming? Okay. Bow. Oh, shit. I wasn't waiting for that. <laughs> yeah and i think it's too i i want to know how true it is too with him hurting his perennial nerve because that also the moment where alex caught him with that hook it started with the fact that izzy tried to throw that leg kick but then he did a back tumble and then he was just stuck up against the cage because alex already charged him and just held him there so i that's the big thing i still really want to hear about is how much of an impact did that perennial nerve have on that fight and i want to get a doctor on the show because i want to hear about this how much i want to know how much antibiotics really does affect the body yeah because if that's if he had a if he had a staph infection the way they're saying he had oh and then the nerve too yeah yeah, because he's facing a double suspension right now because of this stuff and then stuff leading up to it, too. I know he wasn't, like, fully open on what he was going through. He seemed pretty private on it. But... I think that's what got him the double suspension, honestly, because he didn't yeah. disclose his injury. Yeah. So I'm curious about that. Hmm. But damn. But damn. Poor Izzy. Poor Izzy. Hmm. Yeah, that's a crazy one. That's a crazy one. Yeah. So, so, does, so does Alex and Izzy go right back to back? They fucking better, bro. They better. <laughs> be so pissed. <laughs> fucking damn. Watch, they end up trying to pull some shit that they're gonna do a fight between him and Yuri. Uh, fucking Yuri over in the light heavyweight division. Run the narrative that Alex is getting revenge for fucking Glover Texera. Listen. I boycott that episode. I boycott <laughs> that, that pay-per-view. I'd be outside of Las Vegas arena fucking with a picky little fence. Fuck this shit. <laughs> Bring back Steve Mazzagatti. <laughs> right. Like, oh, I'd be... They better. They better. Yeah, they need to make that rematch happen. Hands down. Hands down. It has to. It has to. Mm-hmm. Because... I mean, what was Izzy, like 14 wins in a row? 13? Or no, he was at 12. So he was at 12, and he was getting ready to... Yeah, and he was going to tie with Anderson Silva at 13. Right, right. Yeah, he has to be disrespectful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Be a slap in the face. I was sick. I had staph infection. I got beat up. You're not going to let me my revenge mm-hmm. let me go out my, I'm, a, I'm a shield man i want to go out my shield right just what 14 of yours yeah no that's a good point yeah for real man for real 
And then before we get out, one topic that I wanted to also cover with you that we haven't got a chance yet was Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. <laughs> that look right there already says it all. Already says it all. What's we haven't talked about that? this on the hands for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> That You're wasn't a paid fight, bro. That was paid for. You think that you think that fight was rigged? That was sponsored. Yeah. It had like it had to be. I did see a video on Facebook where it shows that shot that supposedly dropped Anderson Silva. It shows it from a different angle, and I guess Jake actually misses, but he still drops. Like misses by like that much. But it, it looks pretty clear in the video, so I'll have to send it to you when I get a chance. Hey, strong winds blow cars off heels. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. I don't That's know. True. Maybe, maybe it was just the strongest gust of wind off of a fist we've <laughs> ever seen. I don't know. It's but... that gear, bro. It's that gear Jake has. He takes so much of it that he throws one strike and then whoosh. Oh, so... We got like a Tyson Fury going on. Like, does he got stuff? He has enhancements in his, in his gear or anything? I, no, but seriously, no jokes. I, I really think that it's something going on. Because listen, we watched. So, do you think the Tyrone Woodley, both of them were real knockouts? With Tyrone Woodley, I'd say no. Only because his he's well aware that his legacy was already getting fucked with the fact that he was already on a five, six fight losing streak in the UFC and like everything was downhill for him. And the only opportunity outside of a cash grab with the Jake Paul fight was to get some type of like redemption. And I the fact that he was so determined to finally try to get a W makes me feel like Tyron Woodley necessarily wasn't paid for in that fight, especially because you really want to go down as the guy who got fucking knocked out cold by Jake Paul like that by the Disney kid in all that fashion. Okay. And I, and I totally respect that aspect of it. And I watched, so I was there. I was, I covered that fight a lot. And I was there at the press conference that they had, little closed door press conference that they both. Oh, had. really? Yeah. And um, what you just said rings home on the Woodley side. You're right. Mm -hmm. He expressed a lot of passion. But I'm going to tell you something. What Paul also expressed was very true. No matter what happens here, I'm going to pay you more than you got paid in your entire career on one night. And what you also said was very, rings very true. Woodley was already out. He was already retired. Mm -hmm. He was done. That means no paycheck. So if I beat you, I can do two fights because because ja, Jake, Jake, uh, Paul, he's not a pro at this current moment, considered, right? Right. So 
you know, pros, you lose this early, you're pretty much done. You might have some little lingering fights here and there, but you're not selling all pay-per-view out, right? Right. So if, if, if he beats Jake, there's no two checks. And both of those checks were the biggest checks. He, those both both of those checks individually were more money than he made in his entire career. As an yeah. So I am a little bit of a conspiracy conspiracy theorist at times, and I just feel like he's been hit harder, a lot harder, with thinner gloves and feet, yeah, and elbows. <laughs> I don't That's know, true. man. I don't know. Wait, say again. It cut out. I said I don't know. Oh yeah, I don't. That's the thing too. It's it's such a fifty fifty because I I really I really want to lean more towards that the fights aren't rigged and you know still I'd say like it's like a sixty forty split where I feel like they're not rigged but. There's still that possibility because you raised that same that same point. The fact that it, he got paid more in these boxing fights than his entire UFC career, and all kinds of people can't get bought out by money. And I know Anderson Silva. I, well, actually, I really don't know if Anderson Silva would actually go that route or not. Because, but that's another guy that of, was. But that's another guy that was that was doing this, um, Josh, in the beginning. Like yeah. part of his career was in the beginning when there was no money in this. Yeah. And he's 47 years old. He really has no incentive to really still continue fighting. Like truthfully, I don't, as far as I know, he already lives quite well. So I don't know why he's still fighting at 47 years old. And he's doing absolutely great. But I think, I don't know. It's this, this is the hard part of this whole Jake Paul situation because if, if you think about it, if you stripped us, if you stripped away Jake Paul, the celebrity, the Disney kid, all that stuff, and it was just on paper, a pro boxer with with five wins and like three or four of them being knockout, would we still have this same level of doubt and skepticism if it wasn't Jake Paul in a sense? Yeah, because why are they even scheduling the fight? If you take that name out of there, that guy that has five wins and only five matches is not fighting Anderson Silva. He's not fighting Tyron Woodley. He's not fighting Ben and uh, Ben. What's his name? He's not fighting Floyd Mayweather. He's not fighting none of these guys. Well, if you consider over in boxing, they their records are zero and zero. I think Tyron Woodley, when he fought, yeah, he was right now. Tyron Woodley is zero and two as a pro boxer against Jake, and then. Uh, Anderson Silva, I think he's like two and two now. So like on paper, the matchup makes sense in regards to like going off their records, but the experience level differences, I see what you get there. Well, no, not even that. Not even the level of experience and all that. It's just the aspect of Josh, you're five and zero. Oh, why are you fighting Anderson Silva? Anderson Silva, you're zero oh and zero. Oh, what the hell are you doing as a champion in all this fame? What the hell are you doing fighting this no guy? This nobody. He's 5-0. and oh. Who is he? Yeah. You know what I mean? They wouldn't have even... It wouldn't have been a big enough pull. 
they wouldn't even have made the fight. We wouldn't have even had saw the fight. It had been on like HBO Prime or something. Or, I mean, it had been on some undercard of some other pay per view. Instead of mainstream or main eventing its own. Right. So there's just a lot of it that, listen, I respect everything about the balls. Um, the way they came up, the, the way look. The way Jake did this is just amazing in itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember, he went from the Scottsdale uh, mall robbery incident to six months later scheduling his, darn near six months later scheduling his first fight. Yeah. Like, literally. He went from the Scottsdale mall robbery uh, riot during COVID, all that BS, to six to seven months later scheduling a fight. I mean, I commend the dude. Mm-hmm. What he's done has been amazing. Just don't know if he fights real. <laughs> <laughs> we need to see him fight a real boxer. Not saying a real boxer in a sense of a 47-year-old out of his prime former UFC champion or Tyra Woodley. Let's see an actual boxer who has a record of like anywhere from Five to ten wins, zero to three losses. Someone who is the same size, the same age, and the same natural weight. Because that's right. another thing, too. Like with Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather, that was a drastic weight difference. And that plays a very big factor in the fight. With Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley, Jake was still the bigger dude and had more of the reach. And then, like Anderson Silva, I know he had a bit more reach than Jake, but way out of his prime. Way out of his prime. Look, he would have been better off. First of all, the Floyd Mayweather thing. I didn't see Floyd hit people three to four times before they could put their hands up. (laughs) Right? He's fucking fast, dude. Fast as hands I've seen besides like Manny Pacquiao or something. like. So, bro, like even watching that fight, I was like, I don't know if this is even really Floyd. They got an imposter in here. Like he ain't he ain't throwing hands like Floyd Mayweather throws hands. Yeah. Like, like I don't know if you've seen this little um, exhibition fight that Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather just did like a week or so ago. He's been he's been on like an exhibition tour overseas. So he yeah, just did he's an exhibition in like Japan. Yeah, he's gonna do another one with uh, the YouTuber Deji KSI's little brother, which that right there baffles the fuck out of me. Cause like, is, that, is that the black dude? Yeah, yeah. It's, I think that's uh, the one that was just this weekend. Was it really? Yeah. I gotta look it up now. Yeah, I think that might have been the one that was just this weekend. Um, but if you watch that fight, he whoops this dude's ass. Like you could tell that he doesn't want to knock him out like really bad or really hurt him. Right. But he whoops it like he whoops him like. Five punch combinations, like he whooped them, and I'm like, <laughs> you didn't do none of that when you fought Jake, or when he fought Logan. Yeah, my my, my bad. When he fought Logan, he he threw maybe like a three a three punch combo, or you know, but he didn't do nothing like that. Mm, so, yeah. and you're right. Yeah, he. I'm looking at it right now. They stopped the fight against Deji like the sixth round because he was just cornered. 
I didn't even know that fight actually already happened. I thought it was going to be happening like a couple days. But and, like, and that's the part though. What you just said, he was cornered, and he was just like literally. Floyd wasn't, and, and you know Floyd. It's not like he's hitting you with like a hundred, a hundred percent power. Yeah, but he's but he's hitting you at like sixty percent power. And he's hitting you in the same spots over and over and over again. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and it really it really beckons the question too, is is all this celebrity boxing is it is it harming the sport in a sense that it's devaluing the true tradition of the fighting game and instead it's just looking for that quick money grab whether or not it's through rigging the fights or just these stupid ass nonsensical matchups where you have probably arguably hands down one of the best boxers in history all time fight right? a youtuber fight a youtuber no i don't think it is because you take that same youtuber and you stick him in the ring with canelo alvarez you stick him in the ring with a, with a Danny Garcia. You stick him in the ring with somebody that's not about to let him beat him because he's still a pro fighter and he's still fighting and he's his record's still active. Mm-hmm. We're gonna need a stretcher. Yep. Easily. We could kill him. Put him in there with Don, Deontay Wilder. Ooh, yeah, Logan will get dropped hands down. Put him in there with John Ruiz. Like, no, no, it's not taking away. It's not taking any away from the sport. Anything away from the sport. Just like when James Tony tried to come over from boxing to to MMA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that ain't paid off. Get your ass in that octagon. Let that gate close. Once they put that lock on, you and him. Yeah, just like when Clarissa Shields, she tried to make her transition to MMA. She won her first fight, but that second one, boom, as soon as it got to the ground, jiu-jitsu came into effect. That was all she wrote. Where's she at now? She went back to boxing. I think she just won <laughs> another belt. <laughs> yep, she went back to boxing and won another belt, got back to her thing. Yeah, But it is what it is. Like, nah, I think that uh, we know as fans, we've watched enough boxing. We know and we respect the sport as a sport. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, a lot of times Olympic boxing is a little bit different than watching what we watch. Um, you know, you just respect the sport for what it is. And um, Like I said, I, I respect the Pauls for what they've done. It's mm-hmm. just, I just, it's an exhibition boxing match. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> That's all yep. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm look, again, he doesn't have to fight Canelo Alvarez. Like, I don't know why he keeps calling out Canelo Alvarez. Stay away from Canelo, bro. Yeah, um, Canelo would drop him. Yeah, Canelo would put him. He don't even need to fight. He don't even got to go as, as, as far to fight somebody like Plant, uh, Blanche or whatever his name is. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, fight, like you said, give me a 10-win guy somebody else yeah let's really make it even and then go from there right right and no one's gonna hit their knee and then make some weird ass oh i got hit hard i'm gonna fall on the ground some weird ass way and then all of a sudden they're not they're calling the fight no i want to see 
you need to lay somebody out, bro. Mm-hmm. A non-Tyron Woodley layout. Right. Maybe go, maybe go, ooh. I, none of the punches even made me go, ooh. I just, like, he fell off from that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Come on, man. That's just flesh wound. Come on. Yeah, like, Woodley, for real? You got smacked way harder than this. For real, dude. It's fucking crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, well, definitely, we got to see on the next matchup, Jake has. We we got to see. Let's hope it's going to be a full, legit boxer with the same kind of record, same age, same height, all of it. <laughs> we don't want an exact replica. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> but we don't want him to that. fight someone like Evander Holyfield. Oh, don't say that. That might be his <laughs> next fucking opponent now. He might have... You might have heard this. Well, shit. Okay. Well, Vitor Belfort. Let's put him against him. You know. <laughs> God. At least give him a Frankie Edgar. He just came off a fight. Well, no. See, that's a that's a big old size difference. Frankie Edgar <laughs> would be hella tiny. <laughs> but but still, like, man, at least give him somebody that's not like in a knee brace. And... Well, I don't. I don't know. I feel like Jake. He's, he's gonna take that easy route. No, I'm playing. <laughs> I mean, he did, he did fight somebody who's 47 years old. Yeah. That's the other He's beating up Anderson. old people, man. Yeah, that's the other part. I'm like, Ederson, they don't got that. You should just, you should damn near 50. You ain't, you ain't Floyd 50. You ain't Floyd 50. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, that's not exactly exactly well i think we'll go ahead and wrap it up i know we're at that hour 10 mark so hey i appreciate you coming on man and you have any final words uh it was it was my pleasure um for those of you that have not gotten on the asap sports come on man what are you waiting for find us on youtube find us on facebook Find us on Instagram. Um, hopefully by the first of the year, it'll be on Apple tele- Television, YouTube TV, um, all of your smart televisions, LG, uh, uh, was that Samsung? Uh, we're putting out <laughs> against all enemies. Yeah, I had I I put ASAP Sports and throwing hands in it too. Yeah, I caught it right in the middle. I was like, what am I reading? Hold on. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then and then right now uh, we're on Momentum TV, uh, Go, Hero Go TV, um, Tiki Live. Uh, we're, we're we're everywhere. Um, so catch us. We're growing. We're not going nowhere. You might as well get used to us. Get used to you know throwing hands every Tuesday, eight p.m. Pacific. Exactly, exactly, and again. Thank you guys so much for watching. This is the podcast that will change the world. This is Josh Said What. We got my boy James on here. We get all the best people on here. We live it to the fullest. We live life in epic. We're going to be a doer. We're not going to be a sayer or a hero only. And we're going to be adventurous. We got this. Sir. (laughs) Till next time. Exactly. You guys have a good one.